1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Who is this?
2: Saxophonist Kamazi Washington. Oh, okay.
1: In honor of the uh, the big birthday. President's Day uh, today. And we welcome into the conversation Chris Coleman, former mayor of St. Paul now CEO of uh, Habitat for Humanity Twin Cities. The reason we're talking to Chris today because uh, Jimmy Carter, former president who is now uh, in hospice care, his connection to Habitat for Humanity uh, speaks volumes. And and Chris, let's start there. Chris is on the uh, John Schuster Colwell Banker hotline. Tell me about the impact that Jimmy Carter has had on this organization and how the spotlight on the organization has been lifted or has has been shining on this organization because of his connection to it.
2: Well, it's it's uh, first of all good afternoon and uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Carter family. The uh, he you know just such an amazing human being. Uh what he dedicated his life to is is stunning. But one of those causes was Habitat for Humanity and I, I spend about half of my time debunking the myth that Jimmy Carter started Habitat for Humanity. <laughs> yeah. uh, he did not, but he was—he was absolutely our best volunteer and uh, number one supporter. And he and Rosalind uh, have, since 1984, held a build somewhere in the world where they bring hundreds and hundreds of people together for a week of work building hundreds of houses. I mean, they've they've had such an amazing impact, not just here in the United States, but across the globe through their work with Habitat for
1: Humanity. And that, that public service that is reflected in the Carters' work, how is that, the impact of that? Do you see it, Chris, with local people here in Minnesota who volunteer?
2: Absolutely. It, you know, I think the humility with which he served um, this organization and the the people around the world uh, was really kind of stunning and, and such an incredible role model. You know, you I, I would say to folks, look at if Jimmy Carter can be out hammering nails at ninety years old, yeah. uh, so can you. And uh, they would say, yeah, that would that would inspire us. But you know, he. He could have gone off, he could have made lots of money being a board member of this large corporation or that large corporation, but instead he chose to give back. And and whether it was working on a house with Habitat or teaching Sunday school um, or going across the globe to fight for democracy, uh, uh, just an amazing, amazing servant leader.
1: When we think about uh, Jimmy Carter, the president, what I think, uh, the thought that comes to mind is Peacemaker, about uh, his foreign policy and what he was able to do to uh, bridge the gap between uh, you know, nations that have, were pitted against each other. So Peacemaker comes to mind. When you think about his political legacy, specifically as president, what stands out to you?
2: Well, I go back to the, to the uh, inscription on the wall of the Carter Center, a quote from Walter Mondale saying, they told the truth. They obeyed the law, and they kept the peace. And that's what he did as president. And beyond that, when he went out to go to countries to oversee elections to make sure that democracy was, in fact, being honored, um, to negotiate where he could and to seek peace and seek, uh, you know, I think just really uh, a, a Christian mission of, of working to improve the lives of, of folks that needed someone like him to step in and, and, and fight for them. Uh, again, he could have done a thousand different things, uh, but he chose to serve in that manner.
1: I was uh, interesting too. We're talking to uh, Chris Coleman, uh, on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline, CEO of Twin Cities, uh, Habitat for Humanity. I was reading this morning about how, you know, when he first, um, got into the return to agriculture, and got into his family's peanut farming business. He was living in public housing with his wife and three kids. It was a it was a struggle for him, and I can't help but believe that impacted his life and his willingness to sacrifice for others and his commitment to uh, you know people uh, people who like use the services of Habitat for Humanity.
2: Absolutely, I think he always carried that humility with him, and in, in remembering, you know, he didn't. He grew up in in privileged circumstances. He wasn't a Rockefeller or, uh, you know, someone that grew up with great means. But he had an incredible intellect. Has an incredible intellect, and 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 chose to to use that gift that he was given to pay back for what he felt was, you know, some of the things that he had received in his life. But when I look at his initial relationship, long before Habitat for Humanity as an organization started, there was Coin and Neo Farms in Americas, not too far from Plains, Georgia. And it was a religious community that brought people, uh, black and white people, together to live together, work together, break bread together. And Jimmy Carter was one of the few folks in southern Georgia at the time that was willing to engage and yep. work with Coin and Neo Farms. And so not only that sense of, of, you know, humility in terms of building houses and, and serving people, but also that importance of bridging the racial divide that was, was you know, just so deep in southern Georgia at the time. Uh, it, it's really, you know, again, it's just an exemplary life.
1: And, yeah, to think, you know, serving as governor of Georgia and coming up uh, through Georgia politics in a time when it was such a divisive time in that part of the country, too. Yeah, I mean, that absolutely is is one of the bright spots of jimmy carter's legacy chris when we look back at uh jimmy carter's presidency um do you think uh history uh, has been kind to that presidency has been, has softened a little bit as to as to what was accomplished even though it was just you know four years
2: yeah i think i think he's one of those presidents that the the uh, the more perspective that you have on what he was able to accomplish what he uh, what he was facing the challenges in the country at the time uh you know he was he was criticized for using uh, you know what was referred to as the malaise speech um, and, and yet he was he was simply trying to articulate that that the mood and the spirit of the country in a post-watergate era post-vietnam era was was really challenging and facing you know soaring gas prices and and the challenges of the financial crisis in cities across the united states including new york you know all of these things that that he was dealing with, um, you know, were, were really big issues, and yet he still led with integrity. He didn't, as, as the sayings, you know, he kept the peace. He told the truth. He obeyed the law. And at that point in time, those were three really important things for the United States of
1: America. Focusing on Habitat for Humanity, Chris, give us an update as to your organization, how things are going, and and the need for volunteers uh, right now, and, and your continuing efforts here in, in the Twin Cities.
2: Well, we always need volunteers. That's the backbone of our model. And so whether you're working through a church group or uh, your business or whatever, we, we love to have people come out, so they just go to uh, tchabitat.org and, and hop online and sign up to, to volunteer. We've got a big push between now and the end of the fiscal year, at the end of June, to to close out on a lot of houses. We're, we're expanding our mission, trying to serve as many families as we can, and really focused in on the racial inequality in housing in the Twin Cities that has been uh, of our new strategic plan, I think the center focus, uh, because they're just, they're, there's such a divide in in so many aspects of our community, but I believe it begins with a lack of opportunity for housing, particularly for African-American households. And, and so we're working on, on closing that gap in uh, creating more equitable Twin Cities,
1: and for people who may just you know be familiar with Habitat for Humanity and think okay they build houses specifically, tell us how that process works, and 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 how and how how you develop that in the Twin Cities, and who gets gets the help from the houses that you build. Right.
2: Well, in addition to debunking the myth that Jimmy Carter started Habitat, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I also have to you know explain to people we don't give houses away. Our families pay a mortgage. Uh, we make sure that the mortgage is tied to no, th- no more than 30% of their household income. So they come into our into Twin Cities Habitat. They begin a process that leads ultimately to home ownership. Uh, we work with families to develop financial acumen um, if they need you know assistance in repairing credit, uh, getting prepared to be a successful homeowner. It doesn't do any good for us to get someone into a home if they're going to lose that home three or four years down the road and lose the equity that they've built up. So our goal is to really set families up for long-term success, uh, working with our volunteers, working with our, our, our incredibly supportive community across the Twin Cities. We've, we are very blessed to have this generous, generous community that supports our work and uh, really understands our mission. And so always uh, always wanting to bring new, new folks out that haven't hammered uh, with us, and no matter what your skill sets are, we have a job for you. Uh, you may think that you don't know how to use a, a, a ZawZaw, but by the end of the day, we can get you. We can get you pretty proficient on on tools like that.
1: And even right through the winter. So I mean, we got snowfall, falling, obviously this week. But uh, your work continues right on through the winter months, correct?
2: Our winter warriors are are incredible. They're they're out there. Uh, hopefully, they're working in homes that we closed up in the fall, so they get a little heat, anyways. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we we have work that goes on all year round, and and uh, it's really important as we go into the. Uh, the end of winter and into the early spring months that we finish off the houses and we can get them into the hands of our families by the beginning of the summer.
1: And with the snow falling uh, coming this week, a significant snowfall, I'm asking our listeners if they had any opportunity, uh, price not an option, they could get on a plane today, where would you go? What's the answer for Chris Coleman?
2: I I think I'd go up to Lutzen and get some good skiing. Oh, come uh, on.
1: (laughs) Come on. Be a Minnesota. No, are you kidding?
2: <laughs> Come on, you you have you have a, a foot and a half of powder coming. Yeah, I suppose you, guys, you should be on the slope somewhere. But uh, I, I I just had a a fascinating trip down to Bon Air, which is uh, off the coast of Venezuela, uh-huh. and uh, did some did some scuba diving and some windsurfing. Um, so, so now I'm more in the snow mode than the, uh, than the, than the sand mode.
1: Very cool. Sounds very cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for uh, reflecting uh, on Jimmy Carter and what he means to your organization, uh, and appreciate it so much. Stay warm this week.
2: Well, yeah, thank you. You too. All
1: right. There he goes. Chris Coleman, former uh, mayor of St. Paul, now uh, president and CEO of the Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity. 1245 on News Talk 830 WCCO.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.